0: Hey, What Not the Podcast, Pastor Wolfmuller here. Sorry it's been so long. Ugh, I think I I might be jumping back on the horse. We'll see how it goes. It's Holy Tuesday today. God be praised. Today's the day that Jesus and his disciples went into Jerusalem, saw the withered fig tree, had the big fight in the temple, uh, the three questions about the greatest commandment, and who will you marry in the resurrection, and should you pay taxes, and then Jesus flips it around and asks about Psalm 110. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. But I'm going to answer a question today about blasphemy, specifically blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and the danger of thought crimes. Uh, that's coming up next. All right, here's a question from Michael. It's an old one. Sorry, Michael, it took me so long to get to it. Uh, first, Michael says, I pray blessings on you from God for the powerful work you do online. Thank you. God be praised. I'd be very interested in watching Sorry you have to listen podcast here. Uh watching your take on blasphemy is all blasphemy the same. Webster's irreverence for God is blasphemy against God unforgivable or Jesus? No. Holy Spirit, yes, Father, no. Have I blasphemed blasphemed by saying and here's some examples of using the Lord's name in vain or using foul language as a Christian. Is this poor manners or is it eternal damnation? Is blasphemy only when I invoke God as justification to mislead another person spiritually? For example, God told me you should send me money. You'll be rewarded. Speaking falsely, using God's name as an authority. Is arguing with God or being angry with God or even speaking harshly with God a form of blasphemy? Thinking of the West Wing episode where President Bartlett rebuked God directly and extensively. I have not seen that. The old West Wing, sorry. So I can't comment on that, but again, here, uh, Michael continues. Again, my sincere thanks for your online ministry, et cetera. Um, thank you, uh, Michael, for the, uh, for the question. So first, blasphemy is this despising of God, and especially speaking of our despising of God, uh, cursing God, maligning God, assigning um, uh, w- wickedness to God, his name and his actions, and so forth and so on. The Old Testament's even prohibited, uh, it's, it's listed as a capital crime in the Old Testament, and it does have to do with the second a commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Now that's a good place to start, because when the Lord tells us that we should not misuse his name, he intends for us to use it. Here's where the Old Testament uh, Jews and the the traditions that developed around the name of God Became much more superstitious than helpful because they would refuse, for example, to speak the divine name for fear of misusing it. But when God tells us not to misuse it, He wants us to use it and use it rightly. If I give my keys to my son and I say, Don't misuse the car, don't misuse this, I want him to drive it, but I want him to drive it carefully and bring it back with gas in, that'd be nice. So, So when the Lord says, don't misuse my name, he says, here's my name for you to use. Use it rightly. So how do we use it rightly? Well, we don't curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. So God, by his name, gives us access to him. I think the picture here, beautiful picture, is if you're walking through a crowd and you drop something and someone's trying to get your attention, but they don't know your name. Hey! Hey! Hey, you, hey, guy, hey, and they have to run up and they have to tap you on the shoulder or say, hey, did you drop this? But if the person knows your name, they don't barely have to whisper, hey, Brian, and whoop, you turn around. yeah. What? So that uh, when the Lord gives us his name to use rightly, he's giving us access to himself. Now, on the other hand, when we accuse the Lord of sin, When we accuse the Lord of wickedness, or when we malign the Lord in any way, that is indeed blasphemy. And it's important for us to recognize, because we we live in in a nation which has, God be praised, the right of free speech, which recognizes mostly that compelled speech is in fact an evil, that that does not mean that there is speech that is right and wrong. So so just because speech is free does not mean that all speech is good. And every nation will put limits on what people can say. There's blasphemy laws in, in every culture, in every civilization. And there has to be, because there has to be something in place to protect that which is holy and sacred. This is sacred. You cannot speak against it. Now, interestingly, the blasphemy laws that we have in our own time, and Michael, I'll come back to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but I think this is, this is fantastically interesting, at least to me, is that there's certain things that you cannot say, there's certain speech that is forbidden, and it doesn't have to do with God, but it does have to do with, um, with protected classes of people, and most especially uh, protected classes of people defined by their sexuality. LGBTQ stuff, that, that we see the blasphemy laws kind of rallying around this, um, this sexual revolution, which is just interesting for us to note because where you see the blasphemy laws, either explicit in the law or implicit in the culture and the expectations, there you start to see the god or the idol of the culture, what do you consider holy? So, when we ask people what speech is forbidden, what things can't you say, when we start to get the the, the thought police acting in this way, then we start to recognize the mm, the gods of the culture. Now, back to the idea of of uh, of blasphemy, you uh, cursing, and this came up at the youth lock-in this weekend when we were talking about this, cursing mostly has to do with, when we talk about it today, using swear words, curse words, filthy words. That's mostly breaking the Sixth Commandment because it's mostly what Paul talks about as filthy speech. Let no filthy speech come out of your mouth. So it's, it's gross, disgusting, sexually inappropriate speech that normally comes out. There is a misuse of the Lord's name where we use the name of jesus as a swear word or we casually ask god to damn someone not meaning it but it's just a, a figure of speech and i think that is at least on the edge of blasphemy it's, at least, it's it's at least standing on the front porch if it hasn't been if it hasn't been invited in and we as christians should be very careful that we don't do that, that we don't use the Lord's name in vain, but that we do call upon it, that our invoking of the Lord's name is in fact a true prayer, and and I have the custom and th- this used to be I used to hear the Lord's name blasphemed and, and misused like this a lot more than I do now, but I would always try to stop and pause and say a prayer if I heard someone. Use the name of Jesus, uh, to to curse someone or as a swear word, I would stop and say a prayer to Jesus. Uh, I knew I had a friend back in the old evangelical days that whenever he heard someone misuse the the Lord's name, he would stop and bow. From Philippians 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and I never had the guts to do that, but I always thought that was pretty amazing. So someone just casually says the name of Jesus. They're saying the name of your Lord, and you bow. Maybe we could start by bowing our heads. That might be be nice. Is this a damning sin? This comes up especially because Jesus says in the Gospels that um, if a person blasphemes the Holy Spirit, they've committed the sin that will not be forgiven. Now, a couple of things on this. Jesus does not say that it is the unforgivable sin. The, the difference between the unforgiven sin and the unforgivable sin might seem very, very small, but let's think carefully about this. It, when we say that something is unforgivable, it's talking about the nature or the, the characteristic of that particular sin as if it is so bad that it the, the blood of Jesus can't reach it, like it's a stain so deep that while the blood of Jesus can can wash away every other sin, this one can't be washed away. No, it doesn't have, it doesn't have anything to do with the depth, of the of the sin, but of the kind of sin. the The reason why, and in in fact, Jesus is, um, helpful on this because he says that sin against the son, bla- sorry, blasphemy against the son will be forgiven, blasphemy against the father will be forgiven but it's specifically blasphemy against the holy spirit that will not be forgiven i want to read a paragraph this is from cfw walters law and gospel uh i wish i have a P. i have a let me see if i uh, this is right under thesis thesis 24 uh oh here in the whole thesis is in the 20th place the word of god is not rightly divided when the unforgiven sin against the holy ghost is described as a manner as if it could not be forgiven because of its magnitude. Remember C.F.W. Walters, first president, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, this book, The Proper Distinction Between Law and Gospel, is where he is lecturing to the seminarians about how to preach law and gospel. It's a beautiful book. Thinking about doing the next worldwide Bible study when we finish uh, on Luther and Jacob, thinking about doing the uh, Wal- Walther's Law and Gospel, it'll be great. And he quotes then Matthew 12, verses 30 to 32, where Jesus says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now Walter, Walter comments. This is the principal passage. It states, to begin with, that all blasphemy against the Father and the Son shall be forgiven, only the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. Now it's certain that the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, is not a more glorious and exalted person than the Father and the Son, but he is co-equal with them. Accordingly, the meaning of this passage cannot be that the unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the person of the Holy Spirit, for blasphemy against the Father and the Son is exactly the same sin. The blasphemy to which our text refers is directed against the office or operation of the Holy Spirit. Whoever spurns the office of the Holy Spirit, his sin cannot be forgiven. The office of the Holy Spirit is to call men to Christ and to keep him with him. So it's not blasphemy against the person of the Holy Spirit. That would be the same as the Father and the Son but against the office or the work of the Holy Spirit, which is to create faith in us through the Word of God. So it's because the Holy Spirit has the office of bringing us to Christ, of giving us faith in the promise. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and despise this work, you never come to that faith. Walter later on talks about how to comfort someone who is worried about this. He says, someone may come and say to you, I'm a wretched man. I have committed the sin against the Holy Ghost. I'm quite certain of it. The afflicted may tell you the evil he's done, the evil he has spoken, the evil he has thought. It may really look as if he had blasphemed against the Holy Ghost. Now, remember the weapon that Hebrews 6 furnishes for attacking a case like this. The person is not, and this is Hebrews 6 talks about not being able to be restored and so forth. The person is not at all rejoicing over what he's telling you it is also awfully horrid to him this shows that god has at least begun to lead him to repentance all that he need to do is lay hold of the promise of the gospel when you ask him whether he has been doing all those evil things intentionally he may affirm that involuntarily because satan makes him affirm the question or whatever whenever you ask him whatever he wishes whether he wishes he had not done these evil things he will answer yes indeed these things are causing me the most awful worry This is a sure sign that God has begun the work of repentance in the person. Now, Walter says a case like this is not to be treated lightly. But the sufferer must be shown that since there is in him the beginning of repentance, he has an indubitable proof that he has not committed the sin against the Holy Ghost. So that the, the point is if you're worried about it, you haven't done it because the person who's done it doesn't worry about it. So hopefully hopefully that's a helpful way to consider and think about this uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So again, it's not the unforgivable sin, but the sin that will not be forgiven. And the reason it won't be forgiven is because forgiveness comes by the Holy Ghost through the Word of God. And if we blaspheme the Holy Ghost, if we cut off that way of forgiveness getting to us, then we don't have it. Okay. Well, God be praised. Hopefully that's comforting. Uh, So hopefully, thank you again, Michael, for the question. Thank you all for listening along. Hopefully this is helpful to you on this Holy Tuesday. Hey, real quick, I just sent out yesterday a bonus Wednesday whatnot with devotional resources for your family for Holy Week. You can sign up for Wednesday whatnot at the website wolfmuller.co slash Wednesday or really on any page of the website. There should be on the sidebar a way to sign up for Wednesday Whatnot. That's where most of the stuff is showing up. So, uh, you can sign up there. It's totally free. If you want to support the efforts, you can do that by subscribing for five bucks. You don't get anything else. There's a support button on the website somewhere, too, if, if you can find that. If you're motivated, you can you can figure out where that is. But, anyway, uh, Wednesday Whatnot, sign up for that guy. That's, uh, um, that's where... That's where all the thoughts are congealing. Last week I sent out a little quick start guide to the St. John Passion, which I l- love that. Oh, that Bach piece. It's marvelous. So uh, so that's all there as well. So don't uh, don't forget to go sign up for that. And uh, thanks for staying tuned here. We'll see if we can get some more uh, shows in the feed coming along. So keep sending your questions. WolfMuller.co contact. Uh, that's great. Thanks. God's peace be with you. If you're not Lutheran, this is a good week to visit a Lutheran church. Thursday night, Friday night, their Holy Week services. Uh, And don't forget to come visit us when, when you're in Austin as well. God's peace be with you.